Hi friends, this is Ashwini Prasad and welcome to the Inclusive Storytelling Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. And in this episode, we're going back to old Hollywood. And this episode is a series of highlighting Asians in North America and around the world. There is a lot of Asian talent in old Hollywood. In this episode, we're going to recap just a few of them, their trials and their triumphs. If you're liking this content, please leave a review, share, download, and subscribe. All right, folks, before we listen, please note that I am a anti-racism and anti-oppression educator and consultant. And if I can support you or your business in your work, let's see if we can work together and create some safe spaces. You can find me at inclusivescreenwriter.com or on Instagram at the inclusive screenwriter. Let's take a look, listen, and learn a little bit more about these wonderful Asians in old Hollywood. Grumman Chinese Theater, as it was named from 1927 to 1973, was created by Sidney Patrick Grumman, who was a U.S. American show person who created the Chinese theater as well as the Egyptian theater, which are really recognizable and visited landmarks in Hollywood. In 1973, the theater's name was changed to Mann's Chinese Theater when Ted Mann, who was a U.S. American businessman who was involved in the film and TV industry and the head of Mann Theaters, bought the theater. When Ted Mann passed away, the name changed back to Groman's Chinese Theater from 2001 to 2013. And today, this wonderful, amazing landmark is called the TCL Chinese Theater as of 2013. The first movie that was shown at the Chinese Theater was King of Kings by Cecil B. DeMille. Early Hollywood had Chinese talent. Notable is Amy Wong, who turned the first rivet in the steel girders of the Groman Theater when it was being built in 1926. Amy was a famed Hollywood actress, but she was regulated. Anti-miscegenation laws were active in California until 1948, and this prevented Amy from taking on roles that involved romance with a white male lead. During her Hollywood career, Amy suffered from the frequent stereotyping of a quote-unquote China doll or quote-unquote dragon lady. Amy was very talented and had amazing screen presence. Despite all this, she was regulated to playing secondary roles to white actresses. The closest Amy came to a lead Asian role in a major studio movie was in 1937's The Good Earth, but she lost the role to Louise Rainier. Rainier went on to be a white actress and yellow face, and Rainier won an Oscar for the role. Seishu Haikawa immigrated to the United States to pursue a degree in political economics at the University of Chicago. After flunking out, he was going to return home, 
but he fell in love with the stage after catching a theater performance in Los Angeles's Little Tokyo. Hikawa was cast by legendary director Cecil B. DeMille in the movie The Cheat, and he shared the first ever on-screen interracial kiss with a white woman. Unfortunately, he was also regulated to quote-unquote oriental roles, and he was not being cast in other types of roles by Hollywood studios. So he went ahead and found Howarth Pictures Corporation, and in between 1918 and 1922, the studio released 19 movies. The rising anti-Japanese sentiment in the early 1920s made it very difficult for him to find work, so he moved to Europe. And Hollywood moguls were only looking to cash in on their majority white audiences and what they wanted. By the time Haikawa returned to Hollywood in the 1930s, his thick Japanese accent pigeonholed him to only character actors in this new talky era. Sabu Dastagir, known by his audiences simply as Sabu, was a South Asian Indian national. Sabu began his Hollywood career in cinema at the age of 13 when he was cast in Robert Flattery's 1937 movie Elephant Boy. Sabu's best-known roles in the U.S. American cinema were perhaps the most problematic because in each movie he either played a Southwest Asian, North African, or Pacific Islander and he was always secondary in his roles and he was not highlighted as a romantic lead. From 1943 to 1945, Sabu flew for more than 30 missions as a ball gunner in the 13th U.S. Army Air Force's famous Lone Ranger Bomber Group, and he became one of Hollywood's most decorated war heroes. Unfortunately, upon returning to Hollywood, Sabu's attempts to regain his wartime stardom were unsuccessful. Wong Tung Jim, or James Howe, was a Chinese-born U.S.-American cinematographer who worked on over 130 movies. He was born in 1899, and during the 1930s and 40s, he was one of the most sought-after cinematographers in Hollywood due to his innovative filming techniques. Howe earned 10 nominations for the Academy Awards for Best Cinematography, winning twice, the first for The Rose Tattoo in 1955, and then for HUD in 1963. Despite the success of his professional life, Howe faced racial discrimination in his private life. He became an American citizen, a U.S. American citizen, only after the repeal of the Chinese Exclusion Act in 1943, and due to anti-miscegenation laws, his marriage to a white woman was not legally recognized in the United States until 1948. Thanks for listening, friends. I hope you found this episode informative. Please be sure to leave a review and share this episode. Thanks for listening.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.